as we prepare for the word of God to be preached. I hear the word of God. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all. Since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so as the sinner. And he who swears as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil and all that is done under the sun, the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. But he who is joined with the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. And they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished, and forever they have no more share and all that is done under the sun. Go, eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with a wife whom you love. All the days of your vain life that you have been, that is given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and your toil, which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom or in Sheol to which you are going. Amen. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Please be seated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the grace of your word, uh, how your word forms and changes us. God, we thank you that you are a God that hears the prayers of your people. Lord, that you incline your ears, your ear to the righteous. And we know that we are righteous only because of the shed blood of Christ. So, Father, we bring these requests before you because of, because of Christ. Lord, we, we, we first pray for those in our body who are, who are struggling physically. Uh, we pray for the healing of Dan Mast and John Talkington, uh, for Patty Bolin, uh, for Dan Osterhout. God, uh, dear saints who are struggling, God, we pray your hand of, of grace would be upon them. Father, others who, 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 who are struggling that we may not know about, both that is physically and emotionally, we pray, God, that you and your kindness would meet them. Uh, Father, we do pray uh, specifically for, uh, for those uh, uh, who are teaching uh, this coming year. Father, we are so grateful that you have blessed us with so many teachers in our congregation. Father, we pray that you'd give them strength and patience as they uh, prepare for their, their classrooms. God, we pray that even now you'd be preparing their students' hearts to, to see the godly character of our, of our teachers, that they, when they teach and, and they instruct, that they would get a glimpse of the glory of Christ and how they carry themselves. And Father, we pray that you would, you would bear eternal fruit uh, from our teachers and all the different roles they have uh, this, this year. Father, we also uh, thank you that you are a God that moves beyond the United States, that the gospel is a worldwide um, uh, faith. Uh, we pray now for uh, Pastor Samuel and Reformed Baptist Church in India, God. Uh, we thank you so much for his ministry there. We do pray, God, that you would make him faithful to continue to preach the gospel of the Lord Christ there. God, we pray we, you'd form that church more and more into the likeness of Christ, and we pray specifically, Lord, that you'd, you'd make a way for them to be able to gather in person uh, again, to be able to experience the joy and the fellowship that we are experiencing uh, today. Uh, Father, we also thank you that you uh, have called us to pray for our leaders, that we do so now. We pray for those who are, are in our Supreme Court. With so many uh, rulings uh, coming up, Lord, we, we pray, God, that you would allow them to, to govern and to, to, to make decisions based on um, on wisdom and humility. We pray that as they judge, that they would understand that they themselves will one day stand 
before you, and you will judge them and, and all uh, in this world. So, Father, we pray that they would make decisions that would be pleasing to you. Father, we also just thank you that the gospel uh, goes forth uh, in our own community. We pray for our sister church, uh, Calvary Baptist Church up the road. We pray for Pastor Reggie Hopkins. As he preaches today, God, we pray that you would fill him with your spirit. Allow him to preach faithfully and, uh, and consistent with your word. We pray that, that church would be formed more and more into the likeness of Christ. Father God, now as we come, the sacred hour, the people of God come to hear your word. Uh, we pray that you would soften our hearts. Uh, we pray, Lord God, that you would preach through me by the power of your Holy Spirit. As I announce your word, I pray that you would take this word and you convict hearts, that you would allow it to fall on fertile soil, that it would reap 30 to 60 to 100 fold what is sown. God, I pray that you would allow us uh, to be ready for death, Lord, that we would be uh, prepared for that day when we stand uh, to meet our, our maker. Uh, Lord, we, we trust that you are working things in our life, both the good and the bad, all for your glory. So God, I pray that you uh, would, would take this message and you would glorify your name. Father, I know that unless you, you preach through me by the power of your spirit, I'm just speaking words. So God, as I announce your word, I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase. But as I announce the Lord Christ, that you would call men and women, boys and girls to yourself. God, I pray that you would prepare people to meet you. Strengthen your saints today. Convict them of sin and help them grow in righteousness. We pray a blessing on this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you ready? It's a simple question. Uh, you probably uh, ask yourself and you probably ask others in your home several times a day, thousand times every year. Are you ready for dinner? Are you ready to take a walk? Are you ready for bed, children? Are you finally ready to go to the store? Are you ready for your test in the morning? And those are simple, are you ready questions that we may not even realize that we're asking. But there's other questions that, that we may not be as ready for. Are you ready to move your kids into their college dorm? Are you ready for your first child? Are you ready for retirement? Well, yes, we all are ready for retirement, right? Or as we have seen in Ecclesiastes, are you ready for death? To be ready is to be fully prepared. Solomon begins here in chapter 9 with the, the conclusion of his, his book. But before he makes his kind of final conclusion, uh, he provides a quick summary of the main argument to make sure we are fully prepared both to live and to die. The message of Ecclesiastes is clear. God is in control. Death comes to all. Life is unpredictable. It does not always make sense. Therefore, today, take the opportunity by enjoying the good gifts that he has given that God has given. So I, I hope the message of Ecclesiastes over these last several months has really kind of gotten into your, to your bones. It is a very earthy and very honest book. And as we press on towards the end of this book, let us slow down and take a breath and ask four are you ready questions. I love asking questions, and I, I hope that when I ask these questions in these messages time and time again, that you're actually going to answer them. Too quickly we move, we, we brush by them. But I pray that these are you ready questions will help you grasp Solomon's main point of this book. The first question is, are you ready for death? Are you ready for death? Now, it seems like a grim question, but it's a question 
that we all must ask because it is a reality that we all will face. So if you have your Bible, take it, uh, open it up, please, and turn it again to Ecclesiastes 9, 1 through 6. We'll be walking through this text again. Look what the, the, the preacher says. But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and to the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner. He who swears as it is as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun. But the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. But he who is joined with all the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. And they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished. And forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. We all know there's moments in life uh, when the light bulb finally goes off. Things finally, finally click. Solomon has made this point throughout the book, but he wants to make sure that the light is on, that you truly hear what he's saying. Uh, beloved, we, we, we as preachers say the same thing over and over again because we are a forgetful people. And Solomon, as any good preacher, is repeating himself. Notice what he, what he does at the beginning. He's slowing down and he's, he's thinking. He says, I, I laid it to heart, examining it all. You know, life so often moves kind of at a, as a, at a blistering pace. One meeting to the next. One activity to the next. One show to the next. Without even taking a moment to consider what we are experiencing. Solomon begins, I, exa- I laid it to heart, examining it all. He slowed down and he examined life. Kind of a, like a referee in instant replay booth. He, he's slowing down to look at all the angles and considering what is best, what is, what is right. Now, time does not mean that, that he's always going to come to the right conclusion, but it sure will increase his chances. Solomon realizes that life is in the hand of God. Man does not know what comes next. Now, this is hard to realize, is it not? We all struggle with a God complex. What I mean is that we all struggle with thinking that life revolves around us, that we are in control of our own destiny. We want to do what we want when we want to do it. We believe our opinions are right. Our interpretation of the things in this world are most accurate. And Solomon would say, not so fast, my friend. Only God knows. You and I are mere mortals, men and women fallen before God. And then he proves this point by showing the true reality of every person under the sun. Death. Death comes to all the righteous and the unrighteous, the rich and the poor, the businessman and the teacher, the mother and the daughter, the priest and the prostitute, the masked and the unmasked, the one who keeps their word and the liar, the same event happens to us all. 
Death is coming. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Now, death is an evil no matter what and when it happens. It's it's an evil because it's a result of the wickedness and sin in our own hearts. Look at verse 3. It says, Also the heart of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live. Then after that, they go to the dead. Solomon here is probably drawing on maybe Genesis 6, verse 5, when Moses writes what the Lord's thought of humanity right before the flood. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every intention of the hearts of his thoughts of his heart were evil continually. Or Paul says something similar in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, death and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Friend, we all have sinned, and therefore all of us will face death. It cannot be avoided. And that's the one topic we want to consistently avoid. But we shouldn't say, let's not talk about it. Let's make sure that we are ready for it. Are you ready? See, God wants us to think about our death, not to depress us or put us into despair, but to teach us to value the, the preciousness of the life that he has given us. Look what Ecclesiastes 9.4 says. But he who is joined with all the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. Now, in the ancient world, dogs were not viewed the way we view them today as kind of like our best friends and the ones that we want to spend all our time with, right? Uh, in the ancient world, dogs were looked at as scavengers. Uh, they, they, they stole your food. They, they robbed you. They, they, they attacked you. They were, they were not looked at as, as pleasant creatures. But lions, on the other hand, were, were looked at as, sort of, as a sign of strength and, and power. So here he's saying a living dog, a living scavenger, wicked dog, is better than a dead lion. For the living have hope. Listen, you will never fully appreciate life until you understand the reality of death and the opportunity that we have today. Do not be blinded to think that you have forever to do what you've been putting off. There's many of you here who have been struggling with sin. And you've been thinking to yourself, well, I'll get myself right eventually. Do not wait. There's some of you who have relational conflicts, and you'll say, I'll deal with that eventually. Don't put it off. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. Now, most country music has bad theology. Amen. I occasionally listen to it. Um, Tim McGraw's 2004 hit kind of captures what this, the essence of what the scripture is um, saying. He said, I was in my early 40s with a lot of life before me, and a moment came that stopped me on a dime. I spent most of the next days looking at the x-rays, talking about the options, and talking about sweet time. I asked him when it sank in that this might really be the real end. How does it hit you when you get that kind of news? Man, what do you do? And he says, I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. And he says, I loved deeper, I spoke sweeter, and I gave forgiveness I'd been denying. And he said, 
Someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. What he's saying is, is that when, when the reality of death is right there, we change how we live today. When we get that diagnosis and that, that realize that there's, a, there's, a, there's an end date to our life, we actually change how we live today. Someday, I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. Well, Solomon here wants you to live like you were dying because you are. Are you ready for death? Number two, are, are you ready for chance? Are you ready for chance? Now, we do not know the time we have left or what is going to happen in our, in our life. Life is unpredictable. Look at verses 9, chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. Again, I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time, like fish that are caught in an evil net, like birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. Listen, friends, things do not always happen as they are expected. The fastest doesn't always win the race. The smartest person doesn't have the most money. The strongest person does not always win the fight. In verse 11, Solomon says, time and chance happen to them all not always a great translation. We as Christians do not believe in chance. We believe everything is under the sovereign hand of God. A literal translation there is really a time and happenings happen to all. Things happen. Unexpected events occur. Beloved, we cannot presume on the future. Solomon says it again, for, for man does not know his time. Remember the, the end of, of chapter 7 is this un, un, unfolding of what man does not know. The rest of this book after uh, chapter uh, 6 is this idea of man, man not knowing. He gives examples here, uh, one of a fish swimming and kind of enjoying the water, then unexpectedly, unexpectedly being swooped into a net, and then a bird flying in the, in the beautiful blue sky before being unexpectedly caught in a snare. You do not know what will happen to your life. Are you ready? Now, I am still a young man. There's much of my life ahead of me, Lord willing. Uh, but we all have dreams and we all have aspirations in our life. And life rarely turns out as we expected it. It may happen the way you want, but it may not. You may live to be 100 years old. You may live to see your great, great grandchild like Miss Lillian, who, who passed away this past week. And yet, you may not make it to the end of the week. We are not God. I don't think that I would have a hard time convincing you that you're not God. If I talked to you in a conversation, I said, hey, you're not God, you probably would say, you're right. <laughs> Thank you for uh, shedding that wise wisdom on me. But how often do we presume that we know the future as if only God knows the future? We know we're not God, but we too often live like the opposite. Nothing is new under the sun. The, the Apostle James said this to uh, the early church. He, he rebuked them, 4, 13, and 17. It says, uh, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, 
we will live and do this or that. As it is, your boast, you boast in arrogance. In your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do fails to do it for him. It is sin. Do you see how presuming on what's going to happen in the future is you acting as if you know what's going to happen and acting as if you are God and you are in control and not the Lord of glory? So what do we do with this knowledge? These two extremes, that, that the death is going to happen at one time and the death is uncertain on the other, the timing of it. Well, David Gibson, in his, in his book, Living Life Backwards, often a question for us to consider than uh, prudent counsel for us to follow. He writes, what does a life of beauty and meaning purpose look like? Poised as we are between these two extremes. On the one hand, my death is certain. And on the other, the timing of my death is uncertain. So what should we, what should life in the meantime look like? Solomon's answer is very simple. Life between now and then looks like a life well lived. If one day you will be dead, live today. If you do not know when you will be dead, live now while you can. The path of wisdom is along life's road is to enjoy God's good gifts he has given you, the simple things that give you pleasure. See, asking those first two questions, are you ready for death and are you ready for the chance, the, the, the random happenings of life, so to speak, pave the way for us to ask, are you ready to live? Are you ready to live? This next question, are you ready to live or are you ready for, for life? We all must choose to live like we were dying because we are. Solomon kind of encourages us to seize the day the Lord has given and to enjoy it. Look at verses 7 through 10. It says, go, eat your bread with joy, drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with, your, with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom and shield to which you are going. Beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ came to bring life and life more abundantly. We experience the abundant life of Christ when we receive the gifts that God has given us with joy. Solomon kind of begins with a string of commands. Go, eat, drink. They're commands in the Hebrew. Solomon wants you to see what's right in front of you. There's often kind of a bent in Christianity on the value of living kind of an aesthetic or a a monastic life. You know, of course, we're called to deny ourselves pick up our cross, and follow after Jesus. But we, we must never forget that Jesus came eating and drinking. Jesus received and enjoyed the, the simple gifts of life. You know, Paul makes a similar exhortation as Solomon does in 1 Timothy. He writes this, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times there will, that some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons. Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, 
and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. There will always be people in the church, always be people teaching that if that by denying some of God's good gifts, you will become more righteous. But we are righteous in Christ, in Christ alone. We show our righteousness by receiving with thanksgiving and giving thanks to God for what he has given us. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected, but is to be received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. This is one of the reasons why when we before we break bread, before we eat, we usually pray. We offer thanksgiving unto God. What we're, what we're doing is we're, 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 we're receiving the food by his hand. And maybe if that, that thing that you maybe shouldn't eat late at night, you're probably not going to say a prayer for it, but you probably shouldn't eat it, right? Because you can't eat it unto the Lord. Really what, 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 what Timothy is saying, what Paul is saying to Timothy, is really what Solomon says, is that God has already approved what you do. God made the world good, and we should enjoy his good gifts. So go and seize the day. Eat all your food with joy. Have a merry heart around the table. This is, this is seen in the Psalms as well. Psalm 104, 14, and 15. Uh, the Lord, uh, you, cause grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine and bread to strengthen man's heart. See, God delights in giving good gifts to his people. So do you live with a receptive heart? Do you receive all the gifts that God's giving with thanksgiving unto him? You know, one would think that when we face the reality of death, we should kind of walk around in sackcloth and ashes. But Solomon here encourages the opposite. He says, let your garments be always white, let that oil be lacking on your head. White garments were a sign of joy and celebration. Oil was kind of used to, to make dry skin look more, more healthy. You know, Solomon encouraged us to take care of our, of our appearance, our, our outward appearance that would reflect our inner joy. The world is meant to be a place of color and life and beauty. You know, one of the things I see happening kind of in the, the larger Christian world I see a lot of unhappy Christians. I see a lot of frustrated and angry Christians. I think what's happening is they're allowing the world to impact your joy. They're allowing the world to rob and steal your joy. Listen, our, the countenance of our face and our demeanor should be joyful. Why? Because we want our exterior to reflect our interior, right? We want to be joyful because we have joy, the joy that God has given us in Christ. Solomon here offers us two exhortations of the two most dominant areas of life, our families and our work. He begins with family life. Look at verse 9. It says, enjoy life with the wife whom you love. For those of you who are married, I, I could say, how easy is it for us to miss, to take for granted the daily blessing of companionship? And, fresh, and friendship that is in marriage. You know, the text does not say, put up with your wife. It does not say, bear with your wife or even live with your wife. It says what? Enjoy your wife. Paul says the same thing in Ephesians 5, right? Husbands should love their wife as Christ loved the church 
They should nourish and cherish their spouse. And that's both ways. I could say the same thing to wives. You should honor and love your husbands. You should enjoy your husband. You should enjoy the time you have together. You know, one of the best things that has happened to uh, my family over the last three months with this quarantine is that we spent a lot more time together. And my wife and I take every morning now, we walk for about an hour together and just talk and enjoy each other's company. Uh, I think with the, with the busyness, the pace uh, before the pandemic, I, we were missing that. And I needed to hear these words, enjoy the wife whom you love. But by extension, I think this is also true for our children. If you have children still living in your home, parents, enjoy your children. Take time with them every day. Listen to them. Talk to them. You know, Do not let the busyness of your life or the loaded schedule rob you and your family of joy. Take delight in your family. Because what Solomon's saying here is that you never know how long it lasts. I know some of you here who have lost family members, parents, children. Life is never guaranteed. So take advantage of the opportunity you have today. Today really is the day of opportunity. We are alive and therefore we have opportunity. Not only opportunity to love our families, but to work. To work for, for the good of our neighbor and for the glory of God. Solomon goes on to say, not only does he talk about family life, he talks about our work life. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Whatever vocation the Lord has given you, whatever job he's given you, work at it with your might. Work hard at laboring for his glory. You know, I love what Martin Luther said when a shoe cobbler came and asked him, how do you make shoes for the glory of God? And he just said, Make a good shoe and sell it at a fair price. You know, Christians are not called to abandon their secular work when they come to Christ, but they are to realize that their work is no longer secular, for all their work is done for the glory of God. Beloved, if you're struggling to find joy in your job, you must remember Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men knowing that, that from the Lord you will receive your inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. This pleases the Lord. Everything we do, everything that we have is the Lord's, and we want to live for his glory. There's much I could say about this passage, but find what you love and do it for the glory of God. Enjoy the simple pleasures that God has given you whether that is a walk with your dog, right, a, a going, floating down the Catawba River, right, eating ice cream, right, having a good steak, whatever it is, receive it, the pleasures that God has, has given you. Well, the last are you ready question is, are you ready to celebrate? Are you ready to celebrate? As I said before, the message of Ecclesiastes, and again this passage, God is in control, death comes to all, life is unpredictable. It doesn't always make sense. Therefore, take the opportunity that today offers by enjoying God's good gifts, the good gifts like family and work, and live for his glory. Now, those of you who know me well may be thinking, Pastor, uh, what does this have to do with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Or, or another way of phrasing it, what does our joy communicate about God and the gospel? Well, I'd say this, enjoying the good gifts of God are meant to make us long 
for heaven. They are meant to allow us to taste and to see that the Lord, that he is good, to want more of him and, and more of what he offers, the, the pleasures that are, that are there forevermore at his right hand, Psalm 1611. I mean, even notice right here in the mid, this middle section, 7 through 10, notice how it's just full of wedding imagery, food and drink, white garments, oil on your head, husbands enjoying the wife whom they love. These are all highlighted because the Bible's picture of the best that life has to offer is simply a foretaste. It's a foretaste of a wedding banquet still to come. The beauty and the grandeur and the glory of which cannot be put into words. All that is good in this life is not only meant to be enjoyed, it is meant to be enjoyed and to create a longing in us for that which is to come. Are you ready to celebrate? Are you ready to feast at the great marriage supper of the Lamb? All of us are invited, but you've got to have the right clothes. You have to have the, the, the clothing that only Christ offers. See, God sent Jesus to lay down his life for his bride on the cross, offering his righteousness to us as robes to cover our sin and to cover our shame. And God raised him from the dead on the third day to swallow up death and now to provide an invitation for anyone who will repent of their sins and trust in Christ. Are you ready? You have been invited to the great feast of the Lamb of God, the King of kings and the Lord of glory. You have been invited to the banquet. Will you accept the invitation? Friends, we do not have to live in the fear of death. God promised to swallow up death once and for all and to provide a heavenly feast for his people. As we close, let's turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 25. This is a wonderful passage. I pray it stirs your affections as it has stirred mine this week. Ephesians, or sorry, Isaiah chapter 25, beginning in verse 6. Listen to the word of the Lord. Speaking of the promise of heaven. God's word. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a rich, a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined, and he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all the nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Do you see what happens for the believing heart? We take joy and we are glad for what God has done for us in Christ. We wait for the Lord and his salvation by receiving the good gifts he has given us. Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. He died so that we may truly live. Therefore, let us live. 
Let us enjoy good food, our good family, and good work, all as a good foretaste of the great feast that is to come. And let the world see our joy. Let the world see us wait with joy and with gladness of heart so that they too may long for the eternal joy of the life that is to come. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would be a kind of people that enjoy the good gifts that you have given us, that we would receive them with glad and sincere hearts. And, oh God, I pray that we would long for, that you would create a desire in us, that we would desire to wait with joy as we look forward to the great marriage supper of the Lamb, when you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. that death will be swallowed up in victory. And you will be our God, and we shall ever be your people. Let it be so, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.